Friday morning lights. Long fly ball to center. Going, going, gone! No! Shot! Score! Good morning, sports fans. Ryland Turner here, joined as always by Kyle Joseph for the January 2024 first edition of the year of Friday Morning Lights. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing all right. I am doing all right. I've got... I'm feeling pretty good about about this. Uh, We've got some football going on. I think this is going to be an interesting show. Definitely talking about the NFL stuff. Yes, uh, we have a couple stories before we're going to get to that. And a special surprise for everyone uh, during our NFL chat. So stay tuned for that. Kyle, let's not waste any time. I'm ridden with the 19th COVID. So let's let's jump right into it. So our first bit of news, uh, just sort of an update on things, how things are going in the NHL. Uh, Not a lot to really talk about. But the Winnipeg Jets, surprisingly, all of a sudden are in first place in the league. As of recording this, it might change very quickly, but having a really, really good season. Connor Bedard, unsurprisingly, an all-star, though I'm not sure if he's going to be able to play in the game uh, because he has caught an injury. But yeah, hopefully he's able to, to get into that. Youngest all-star of all time. Yeah, that's that's a that's a big deal. Like this kid, like I think we discussed it before he even got into the league. Like he is showing that he is everything as advertised. The Toronto Maple Leafs and Edmonton Oilers have the two of the best players in all of hockey. They are struggling to find a playoff spot. They're they're in, both in one right now, but they're both not far from being out of one. So Time will tell how this season goes. There's a lot of teams still, still very much in contention. It's still early in the season, but you kind of want to try to get things a bit more nailed down so far. Uh, that hasn't really happened for any of those teams, but time will tell. Absolutely. Big news in baseball. There's a lot of baseball news, and it all is from the same team. So, Shohei Otani has signed a new contract. It is with the Los Angeles Dodgers. It is a 10-year, $700 million contract, which is truly so much money. The majority of it is being deferred, which is going to help the Dodgers out with luxury tax quite a bit. But... $700 million will eventually be paid to Shohei Otani. They also signed Yoshinobu Yamamoto from the Japanese League, one of the biggest pitchers to come out of the Japanese League in a while. 12 years, $325 million, plus a posting fee. Oh, He's very, very good. Was in the World Baseball Classic, looked fantastic, looks like... One of the best pitchers to come out of the MPB in quite a while. Like career stats, his career ERA is one eighty two. That's real, real good. Even if it's you know the Japanese league. Uh, meanwhile, they also signed Teoscar Hernandez to a twenty three point five million dollar one year contract. The Dodgers are spending all the money to try to win, and yeah, 
for us Jays fans, the signing of Teoscar Hernandez is, uh, I mean, you always like to see a, a former Jay go off and, and be successful, and this might be the way to do it. Let me tell you. Let, like, uh, let's just break this down for a second. Like, firstly, as also as Jays fans, the the news leading into this, and I know, Kyle, you were always pessimistic about us landing Otani. Yep. But he, we we were a team that was in the talks for him. And so, and I think it was the uh, either the president of baseball baseball op- operations or the GM has come out and said that it was the most heartbreaking call he's ever received in his career when he found out that Otani wasn't signing. Uh, that was GM Ross Atkins who said that. Yes, right. Uh, it was a heartbreaking moment. Uh, like, with just knowing also that we were going to pay him pretty much the same, or at least that's what's been speculated. Is we were we were right there with the money. Um, it's heartbreaking in that aspect. Like, look, the Dodgers have been this team for a long time. They spend a lot of money and they, they are able to bring in the stars. And I think, I mean, honestly, it's probably an easier move for him. Like it's, you're, you're, you're staying in the, the Los Angeles area. Um, and you're getting paid what you you deserve. Uh, this guy's been tremendous the entire time that he's been in the MLB. Um, and again, he's. I still. I, I love the fact that he's making two million a year, and and the rest is going to be paid off to him. Like th- what? What? This guy doesn't even need seven hundred. That's that's how ridiculous this this amount is. Is he doesn't even need seven hundred million? You could pay him two million a year. He's going to be comfortable. Yeah. He's going to be just fine. Well, he's got a bunch of endorsement money that he is able to get right. Now. Right. <clears throat> so that's going to make up the gap for right now, and then you know. In whatever 15 years or whenever that the actual money kicks in, the deferment, he's going to get paid continuously and never have to worry. So, is this, is this, is baseball the only sport that, that does stuff like this? Mostly, yes. Um, you can't really defer salary in leagues where you have salary cap. That's fair. So it really prevents it in any of the other major sports because the NL or the NBA, has its salary cap. Whatever it happens to be, it is still a salary cap. The NHL has hard cap. The NFL has a salary cap as well. Some shenaniganry that can happen with that. But the NFL, the difference with that is that baseball's contracts are guaranteed. Shohei Otani will be getting every one of these $700 million in a way that football contracts aren't necessarily guaranteed in the same way. So, it's fair. Credit to Shohei for Coming in with the money, he's probably not going to be able to pitch this year. But he will be able to be a DH on a team that also includes, you know, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. There's a lot of talent. There's so much talent. And then Yamamoto joins a pitching staff that is a little bit lighter. But time will tell if they're able to pull something off. This is going to be a, let's be clear. This is going to be a very, very good Dodgers team. If you're a uh, if you if you're a person who bandwagon jumps on teams, this is the year to jump on the the Dodgers bandwagon. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> get your hats now. <laughs> but that's the thing is you you have that much money, it just allows you to to do stuff that other teams simply can't. And the Dodgers, right? Yeah, they're there's I don't even know if they're done yet. They brought in Tyler Glasnow via trade as well, and he signed a five-year, $135 million extension. Good God. Like, like, There's something about 
Dodger money that's just different. At any rate, oh. uh, we'll we'll preview the MLB once we get up to there. It'll be you know a couple months from now, but yeah, suffice to say, early on returns on um, the Dodgers have won the offseason so far, and I don't see that out changing anytime soon. Other big bit of news is coming out of the NBA. OG Ananobi has been traded. The Toronto Raptors and New York Knicks coming to terms on an agreement. The trade is <clears throat> Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn to the Knicks in exchange for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a second-round pick. That second-round pick does belong to the Detroit Pistons, and based on how they've been playing, there's a good chance that's going to be pick 31, or at very least a pick before 35. So that's it's a second-round pick, but it's you know high in the second round. For the Knicks, they get a player in OG Ananobi who is the exact type of player that you want in this modern NBA. He is a solid shooter. He is an excellent on-ball defender. He can guard wings, basically whatever you need in that regard. He is not going to be a huge scoring threat, but I think the Knicks are feeling okay about their offense. They also get Presses Chua. Um, who is a big, has some potential, still young. He's only 24. He's been okay for the Raptors since they've had him, like a solid, you know, backup center. And they're also getting Malachi Flynn, who just really never found any footing right. in in Toronto. Like he was a he was a former first round pick for the Raptors that was now uh 2020 so it's been a few years he's still 25 there's still a chance that he's gonna you know be able to contribute but the big prize there is og for the raptors they get emmanuel quickly who is a very very solid point guard scorer a guy who's going to give you, you know, about 15 points a game, has been given the Knicks about 15 points a game, has the potential to move up with, yeah, has the potential to sort of grow with the team. They definitely need guards at this moment. They've sort of been struggling with guard place since, you know, Van Vliet left in the offseason. And I think that quickly and Barrett have sort of slotted in as the starters in those guard spots now. And allows you know Gary Trent to come off the bench and, th- and things that you kind of want with those with the Raptors team as it is, but RJ Barrett, of course, is the big thing about him is I mean he's a scorer, he has a pretty sizable contract. He's on a you know four year hundred and twenty million dollar deal. That he signed. Uh, he's on the second year of that deal, I believe. And the Raptors, he's Canadian too. Right. The Raptors get a guy who's going to be a scorer. He's going, he has been the streaky scorer for the Knicks. There's a lot of sort of empty calories, the kind of guard play that you kind of get a little bit scared of in the modern NBA because he'll put up a lot of shots and he is a volume shooter and those shots don't necessarily always go down. Field goal percentages aren't great and it doesn't really add a three-point shot in the same way. Like he is a career 34% three-point shooter. That's fine, but that's not amazing. 
Right. Definitely more pieces would be great. But you know what? I I, Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I will will say about R.J. Barrett, like, it's nice to have a player who is from the country, so he understands, you know, the cold weather. He's got family here. So it's not somebody who is necessarily going to be eager to jump if, you know, the Raptors are. He's He's from Mississauga. So, like, he grew up. In the Toronto area, and none of this is going to be a surprise for him. Right, exactly. Which is, and, and like, for fans of Toronto, like, I don't think anyone really truly understands how hard it is for us to find capable players who don't mind the weather. <laughs> like, when we had Kawhi Leonard, one of the biggest reasons he left as well. It's, there's, there's snow here, and they don't, their gloves don't fit me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he, he, uh, it is. There's an element of that, certainly, and and we'll see what happens with Barrett. It's going to be difficult because he does tie up a reasonable amount of money, and whether or not he is like he's going to score points, he'll definitely get buckets. And there'll be games where you look at RJ Barrett and he'll put up 35 points, and you'll be like, "Wow, we really that guy's really really valuable." But in exchange for that, there will be games where. You know, he's two for 12, and you're wondering why he's continuing to shoot. That's fair. That's fair. But that is the story of the Raptors. <laughs> yeah. And the big thing is if he's able to develop a three point shot, which is not a, a guarantee, obviously, it's a very big if, then there might be something there for him to, you know, to carry four things forward. But time will tell. Absolutely. That's pretty much all we have for this. All right. Uh, now I guess we're getting into the NFL, and uh, we couldn't do the big NFL chat without the former cor- NFL correspondent on Ryland's Morning Sports Report, and uh, I guess the new NFL correspond- correspondent on Friday Morning Lights, your younger brother, Christian Joseph. Christian, welcome to the program. You're our first guest on the sports show. Thank you very much. I am honored to be your first guest. I will uh, try to retain my job this time as the NFL uh, correspondent. Um Thank you for having me back. Uh, I I expect my check in the mail soon. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> so I think we're going to go team by team to start this out. We're going to talk about each of the teams going into this offseason that missed the playoffs, and then we're going to get to the playoff matchups after that. So let's start with the AFC East. The New York Jets are sort of in an interesting situation because I think they're a team that's going to come out of these this season believing that they're a quarterback away from, you know, making the playoffs, having success there. And they might be right, but we're now... The quarterback that they're going to have is presumably... Aaron Rodgers off an ACL? Achilles. Are we sure that's... Oh, from Achilles, yeah. Are we sure that's going to be... like? It might be better than Zach Wilson. I don't know if this is a super high bar. Are we sure it's going to be a lot better than Zach Wilson? Well, not only that, but like... <clears throat> this guy, number one, he tells us every week he's going to be back in a month. So, like... I, I, what is he, 42, 43 years old? 
he's just about to turn 40 or he just turned 40 uh right in that range he's yeah. 39 currently okay uh no he turned 40 he turned 40 oh sorry he December. just turned 40 okay i take nothing away from this guy's accomplishments and talents in his career but kyle you you hit the nail on the head there i think he's coming back from an achilles tear and no matter how good he thinks he's gonna do and uh how good or how much faith the jets have in this guy i i I have a hard time thinking like an aging quarterback is going to have some sort of re- resurgence. And, uh, you know, uh, this is a guy who's kind of, I think we saw it last year in Green Bay. Like, there's some fire there, but like, there's definitely uh, a situation, it's definitely a situation where age is c- going to start to take place. He's not Tom Brady. Yeah, it's definitely something to take into consideration. Uh, Christian, do you have anything to add about the Jets? Their defense ended up being pretty good, but like um honestly, like I the Jets are one of like three teams in the entire league where I'm gonna just say wait and see. I don't have a lot of faith in them, but um Zach Wilson was truly historically bad this year. Um and so they do have some offensive pieces. They need a couple of things. They need a line to stay healthy, and they need that defense to keep being an elite elite defense. Let's see what happens if Aaron Rodgers plays more than four snaps in a year. But, like, I think that they could have been a lot better even with Zach Wilson if they had more things available. They just had so many injuries this year that it was like, I, I it's, it's one of those things where it's wait and see unless they keep getting hurt, in which case they're screwed anyways. All right. Uh, move on to the New England Patriots. And boy, are the New England Patriots paying the piper right now. This is a team that has two quarterbacks, and they're both real bad. They're going to be out from under the Mac Jones thing very soon, I think. They're going to be in the market for a quarterback, which I don't even know if they have the draft pick to do that. So, like, oh, they have three. So, the New England Patriots are drafting third overall. That's where we are in 2024, I guess. Um there's not much to say about this team. The defense was okay, but it wasn't great. And this offense, they didn't get anything going through the air. And frankly, Ezekiel Elliott was their number one rusher in terms of attempts. And he was under four yards a carry. It, it was just a, a complete write-off of, his, of a season. Hey, aren't, they, aren't they also losing the coach at the end of the season, too? There's no guarantees at this point that that's going to be happening. Bill Belichick has said nothing in Bill Belichick fashion. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know that we're going to get anything out of him. But, yeah, the new, I think I'm, I imagine it's going to be... Uh, I imagine he'll be done, but I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he came back. It's fair. Anything to say about the Pats, Christian? New England... Um, you're right and they're paying the piper. They're also like there are no great free agents that are gonna pop up that are gonna make a difference that aren't absolutely stone cold crazy. Like Antonio Brown was supposed to be that guy and he is not well. Um they've they've had several other acquisitions where it's just like it it doesn't ever pan out. They had Tom Brady there who seemed to be able to keep a tight lid on that ship, but on that container, but like since his departure, it's been bad. And I don't have faith that they're going to have a great thing coming out next year. 
We'll move on to the AFC North. Only one team missed the playoffs this year, and I think it's a surprise for a lot of people as we're coming into the season, that being the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals finished 9-8. and eight. That wasn't enough to make it to the playoffs. Obviously, Joe Burrow getting hurt made a huge difference. They're almost assuredly a team that's going to be back, especially given that finishing last means that their schedule is going to be easier next year. But I think this is an opportunity for the Bengals to maybe do that assessment, maybe see if the people that they have at all positions in the coaching staff, on defense, in in their offense, on, on their offensive line in particular, if those are the guys who should be moving forward with this team because Joe Burrow is obviously a great quarterback. I don't think anyone's denying that, but he needs a supporting cast around him. And right now, Jamar Chase is still an elite receiver, but there's questions beyond that. Right. Um, I have, I have like a lot of thoughts about the Bengals. Um, they need to do just a series of signing trades. T. Higgins needs to be signed and traded. They need to get draft capital back to revamp their O-line again. They need to uh, get a tight end that actually can catch a pass. Um, and they need to get, you know, they need to they need to get the next man up for Joe Mixon, who's getting up there. Um, you know, they got a great they've got a great system right now, but those players are gonna be too expensive. In the next two off seasons, they need to start getting things together to keep the growth of Joe Burrow going, and they need to give Jamar Chase more money than almost any receiver. <laughs> we'll move on to the AFC West. I'm going to do these very quickly. We're going to talk about the Raiders very quickly because there's not much to say. This team was kind of just there this season. There wasn't, they fired their coach that ended up working out pretty well. We will see what happens with Antonio Pierce. He ended up going four and four or uh, sorry, uh, five and four, which is good. They've had, they had uh, rich pistachio before as the interim guy who they let go. And that was definitely a mistake, but there's going to be some questions going forward. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the guy. And they played too well to be able to feel confident that they can draft the guy. They're drafting at 13, I think. Yes, 13, which is just not going to be high enough to pick an elite quarterback, especially considering that really there's only one a couple in this draft. And I would be shocked if any of them made if any of the two or three guys who were there made it past the top 10. So for them, it's I mean, keep chopping wood i guess you've got some talent there you probably i don't know if you're going to retain pierce but the next coaching hire is going to be crucial because the last couple have been a disaster john gruden obviously disaster josh mcdaniels never should have gotten this job and i've said it the entire time and i was right the whole time so we'll see what happens with the raiders um i think the raiders are going to be pretty much in the same position next year as they were this year. It's going to be like an up and down start of the season. They're going to go on a pretty big losing streak and they're going to pull out a few wins at the end to the middle of the road draft again. Perpetual mediocrity. 
<laughs> just throwing bombs. I mean, it's going to come down to whether or not they're going to be able to draft the future. Their current core, they're just going to lose them. It uh, looks like, you know, I don't know what they can even get. As like, I think Josh Jacobs is getting close to the point where he's probably done. I don't know that you can get anything for Devontae Adams at this point. None of these are talented. You just, you know, it's hard to trade guys in the NFL and get solid draft return uh, who aren't quarterbacks. So this is just one of those situations where the current core is probably going to fade out and then it's going to be whatever the rebuild is going to be with whomever it's going to be doing it. We'll move on to the Broncos. Boy, is that a similar story. They're going to be letting go of Russell Wilson in the offseason, which means rebuild the clock. Hooray. All these uh, all these predictions of Sean Payton saving this team are really uh, not looking great right now, are they? Or is, is that on or is that on Wilson? No, fire Sean Payton. Fire him both. Fire both. No, you like the thing is that and this is the thing that that you absolutely cannot do as any kind of business is burn bridges so publicly. Who's going to want to sign there that is semi decent if the way that you get treated is like, yeah, Russell Wilson got way overpaid. Sure, that's fine. I get it. But the fact of the matter is that you can't fire him like that, and it just goes down in the middle, like or at the end of the season in such a public way where everyone's talking about it for weeks, that's garbage. Fire Sean Payton. We knew that this was going to happen. He's always been kind of this way. He had a great run in New Orleans because he had like a, a first ballot Hall of Famer quarterback. But that isn't the case anymore, and I don't think that he is as good as he was hyped up to be. Then on top of that, you're going to add to that that they don't really have a lot of draft capital as a result. They've got the 12th overall pick. They have their first round pick this year, but no second. They traded their third away. Uh, they have New Orleans' third. So in the first two rounds, you know, the first two days of the draft, uh, first three rounds, I should say, first two days of the draft, you have 12 and 81 and a lot of holes to address. And you can't get a quarterback really with either of those picks. Uh, it's going to be tough for the Broncos. For the Chargers, it's a different story because they have the exact opposite problem. Their franchise quarterback is set. Justin Herbert, for all the complaints that Los Angeles Chargers might have about Justin Herbert, he is an excellent quarterback, and he is a guy that you can absolutely build a successful team. They've had a successful team around him, but... The incompetence at all levels in this team, hopefully, I think they feel like they've weeded a lot of it out, having fired everybody. Obviously, Herbert got hurt, and so their end of their season was going to be a bit of a mess. But the reality is that there's a lot of need around there for anybody who isn't Herbert. Again, Mike Williams barely played this season at receiver, and he was still probably their best receiver. Uh, Keenan Allen is 31 now, and you know those are city miles too. He's he's taken uh, some injuries as well. Austin Eckler's 28. He is still a decent you know gadget player, but there's 
there's a lot of work that needs to be done with this team and and the defense they have some aging pieces there they've got a couple guys who you know had a pretty good seasons but it's you have the quarterback that's the good news is that you've got the quarterback the bad news is there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get the rest of this team ready to go and Having the quarterback might mean that they're able to, because the Raiders aren't going to be very good, because the Broncos probably aren't going to be very good, you might be able to get back to the playoffs next year, especially with the the weaker schedule that they're going to have. But it's going, well, I say weaker schedule, but the reality is that the Bengals are also in last. They get the Bengals next year. Uh, It's going to be a tough one. Uh, We'll see what happens to the Chargers. They're a very wait-and-see team. The Chargers season uh, went exactly how I knew it was going to go on January 14th, 2023. I'm going to say two numbers, and that should tell you everything we need to know about how the season was going to go. 31-30. Jacksonville was down 27-0, and 31-30 was the final score of that game. That's all we ever need to know about Brandon Stanley. And, of course, this season went this way. I'm so sorry, Justin Herbert. You're going to be stuck with this team. You're going to be the Phil Rivers 2.0. Like, this is just a bad franchise. Time will tell. We'll move on. Uh, I think that's it for the AFC, so we get to move on to the NFC now. Um, Christian, you talk about the Giants. I don't want to. Oh, don't make me talk about the Giants. Um... Take one's really good. Take one's really good. Uh, uh, Thibodeau looks like he's going to be a, a future star in the league. They've got like a good, they've got a solid defense. They've got a lot of good pieces. Why is Daniel Jones getting paid more than most of them combined? Start Tyrod. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand this team. Like, they, I want them to be good because New York football giants being good is good for the NFL as a brand. I like that team. I like what they did to the Patriots during the Patriots dynasty. Not because I hate the Pats, but because I thought it was just an interesting thing. Like, it was just a cool moment in football history that they upset a, a, a team that was undefeated, that they also came back and Eli Manning is the only quarterback to have beaten Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. That's so cool to me. But the Giants are just a mess. Like they, It feels like they've perpetually been a mess, even in those Super Bowl years. And this is a decade past, over a decade down the road, and they're still just... Unless, like, Saquon, pay Saquon his money. Take Daniel Jones' contract and give it half of it to Saquon because he was their offense this year. Let's be real about this. They need to hire, they need to, like, get better players. They need to have better um, uh, development. They need to have a lot of things. That defense is stout, but, gee, this Giants team is going to be, again, the same thing next year. It's going to be like, hey, maybe they're going to scrub out some games against some weaker teams, and they might get, like, you know, the, the Eagles game uh, at the end of the season week 18 that they just they just pop the Eagles in the mouth. But, like, I don't see this Giants team getting really any better on any count if they don't make some drastic changes to what their their entire business idea is about what this offense is supposed to be and what this defense is supposed to be. I love that we have Christian on the show because I just I don't have the passion <laughs> for 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 the the New York Giants and their their failures since their heyday. But uh, 
No, it's it's good. It's good. It's all good. We'll move on to Washington. <laughs> the commanders are just real, real bad. And when are they going to be good? Like, I don't know. So this is the, the thing about the commanders, they're in a situation where you've got the number two overall pick. You've got, you know, maybe a little bit of draft capital in that regard. They have all their draft picks this year. You're presumably firing your coach, so you're going to be doing a coaching search. You're presumably firing Chap Till Rio. So you got you're just gonna be hiring a whole new staff. Eric Bianami died for uh, you know, Jack Del Rio this year, by the way. A defense that going into the season we said wasn't, you know, a disaster, allowed over 30 points a game this year. That's <laughs> real, real bad. Um that is, you know, that's unacceptable for that team. And the reality is that. I mean, they traded away some pieces, but they shouldn't have been this bad to begin with, with the with the pieces they had. Uh, they need everything. I like Terry McLaurin. They, like, they got good receivers. McLaurin's like, you know, getting a little older, but he's still very, very good. Josh Jackson's a very good receiver, like a solid number two. Um, the receiving core is good. Brian Robinson is is fine as a running back. Don't necessarily need a lot of that. And probably need some offensive line play, and then just a whole defense. Which, in fairness, if you decide to go defense with number two, you probably you're going to get the best defender in the in the draft. Which that could be helpful. Oh yeah. Uh, are you going to tell me that you're going to go number two defense, which I don't think is a bad idea, and then leave Sam Howell in there to die for another year? That's the thing. I really don't know with Washington what the play is because the reality is they're in a situation where they're going to want to draft the quarterback of the future. And it's going to be difficult to be able to do that because as much as they're going to want to draft the quarterback of the future, um, they don't have... The, the pieces to protect him in particular, and obviously the defense is still a tire fire. So he's going to be out there throwing, you know, 500, 600 times in a season and taking all the hits that come with that. I don't know if that's a great idea, but, you know, if you see the quarterback, you always take the quarterback, but it'll be interesting to see. Six words. The infection of Dan Snyder remains. Cool. Thank goodness he's gone. They can maybe remove the stink of it. And the start of that is going to be, unfortunately, Ron Rivera. Uh, this is this is the final call for Riverboat Ron. Yeah. <laughs> he's sailing up that river. He's defensive guy, too. NFC North, you could not have two different stories of the teams that are missing the playoffs. Because they both finished with seven and 10 records. And I feel like if you ask the two fan bases how they feel about their seven and 10 record, then you'll get two very different answers. We'll start with the Vikings because I don't have less, I have less to say about them. Take what I said about the Jets and pretty much copy and paste it. I'd say the pieces are in different places. Obviously, they have Justin Jefferson, which the Jets don't have anybody approaching that level of talent. Uh, probably on either side of the ball, but you're in a situation where you're probably a quarterback away from being at least a solid team. The problem is Kirk Cousins is coming off a serious injury and he's 35. 
I think they're probably going to bring him back out of necessity, but oh boy, oh boy, this is it's. I think they're they're not in a situation where I think they can't make the playoffs next year. I just there's worry for me for the long term with this team. Um, the Vikings make me sad, not because um, not because they are perpetually bad or things like that. It's that they. It feels like every year something happens to that team that just entirely nukes their their season. Justin Jefferson getting hurt, and then Kirk Cousins tearing his Achilles in the middle of the season, which means he won't be back for the start of next season. Uh, that's that is like two tremendously bad things. JJ, like Justin Jefferson getting hurt again at the end of the season, even worse because now he's got like some issues that people are going to start talking about. The, the, they played fine. They played pretty well. They were very lucky a couple of years ago. They got slightly less lucky this past year, and then all of these terrible things happened to their team. They make me sad because there's this close. They're so close. They're like on the fourth and inches, and they keep getting stuff. It's just like it's that kind of thing where it's like nine out of ten times their tush push fails. And I just it it's it's such a it's such a, a disheartening thing to watch the Vikings ever. The Josh Dobbs situation though was really crazy. I love that. I love that uh, that story from the middle of the season. Comes in, literally doesn't know any of the plays or the linemen's names and wins the game. That was fantastic. Love that story. That is the one silver lining to this entire season for the Vikings. Chicago Bears are in a completely different situation. Uh, Christian, I'll give it to you. You're a Bears fan. Uh, seven and ten. I feel like, based on how things were going at the start of the season, I feel like that feels pretty good. So, um, I don't know how to put this without that. This season hurt me. This season hurt me. This season hurt me in ways that I did not expect to be hurt. Because I saw the Bears win a lot of games in the second half of the season, and I saw their draft pick go down and down and down the list in the first round. And I know that they have Carolina's number one. But if they had one and two, this could have been the most exciting thing in the world. And now they have to make another choice on whether or not Justin Fields gets to remain they have to make another choice on like all of these things. I think you get a second or third rounder for Fields and you get Caleb Williams. But at the same time, I think Fields is plenty good enough to be in the NFL. And uh, Matt Eberflus is just getting into being a fine enough head coach to actually coach a team. They need a whole bunch of things. They really, really, really need a lot of things on that team. They need a they need a number two receiver. They need a consistent and solid running back. They need almost an entire defense. I don't know what you do with that number one pick because if you sell it, you might be getting too bad. But also, Caleb Williams could be a generational talent. He looks like he's on. You know, he's he's has the ability of like Trevor Lawrence coming into this draft and I just don't know what I have no idea but I feel like whatever happens the Bears are going to be mediocre again next year and probably the year after that and I just really want them to have that moment where they get that takeoff 
think I'm higher on this defense than you are. Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards is a very solid linebacking duo. You've got um, Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson both had four picks this season. Monta Sweat came in there and in eight games had six sacks. Like, there are things to be excited about this Bears team, which I haven't said that in such a long time. It feels just <laughs> weird coming off my off my tongue. But Here's the reality. If you're looking at what you've got in terms of picks, you're sitting at number one and number nine. As much as, yeah, the Bears pick fell, it fell to nine. Nine is not bad. Nine is interesting because it's a shame that they don't, uh, it's a shame that um, the top receiver in this draft, Marvin Harrison Jr., is probably too good to fall to nine (laughs) because that's exactly the type of player that the Bears should be getting. But if I'll say this, if the Bears can manage to pull off, if they decide that they don't like Caleb Williams, they decide that they want to keep Justin Fields and they want to keep moving in that direction. If you trade down to, you know, two or three or even four, you might have a chance at Harrison and boy, that offense looks a lot better. Because honestly, the defense isn't bad. They've got two high picks. There's reason to be optimistic in Bears land. And the, the other reality is Green Bay is not the wrecking ball that it was before. And Detroit isn't Green Bay in terms of being unassailable in this division. This division is not out of reach for the Bears. Probably next season is a, is a bit too ambitious. But in the next few, there's every reason to believe that they can they can be competitive if they play their cards right. We'll move along because that's the end of that division. And yeah, that was an interesting counterpoint between those two teams. Oh, yeah, let's get out of the way. The NFC South. The Saint, well, I'll do all three and then I'll let Christian comment on all three because I don't need to talk about these teams for very long. The Saints are bad. Uh, they and they should fire their coach. I, I, Dennis Allen, I've never been a huge fan of. He was a former Raiders coach. I didn't really like him then. He was still very young at the time, but I, I don't really love him as their head coach. I think this division should have been very winnable, and you know their points for and points against was far and away better than the Buccaneers. They should be in this spot instead of the Bucs. And they choked away too many games to be in this spot. They're in a tough situation. They've got they've got a pick that's going to be okay in 14. There's still some talent there, but it's aging. I am not optimistic if I'm a Saints fan. Derek Carr is, you know, Derek Carr is what Derek Carr is. And he proved to be Derek Carr again this season. Um, the Falcons should fire their coach because they have two of the most gifted athletes on offense in their respective positions and B. John Robinson and Kyle Pitts. And it took him until week, what, 16 to figure out, hey, what if I give the ball to my most talented players? Um, real genius work there. So, duh, done. and. The Panthers are hilarious. Congratulations. 
On getting the first overall pick, uh, the Chicago Bears appreciate you greatly, Carolina. And so Carolina will be picking at 33 (laughs) after being the biggest. They have easily replaced the Bears as the biggest tire fighter in the league. And if I'm being real honest with you, the Bears never got to this low. All right, uh, Saints uh, are doing what the Saints are going to do for the next five years. They're just going to be this level of, like, will they, won't they? They'll just sit in the middle. They're, again, it's it's the same thing as the Raiders, except slightly in, an e- in a slightly easier division, perpetual mediocrity. Uh, the Falcons, the only thing good that Arthur Smith did this year was he had a mustache and from like week seven till 10. And it was a, it was a beautiful mustache. That's the only good thing he did this year. Facial hair approved, uh, coaching style disapproved, should be fired immediately. Uh, and please, please, please get a new quarterback, Falcons. Please get a new quarterback. Taylor Heineke is a fine backup. He might be able to win you a game. Or two, if you really need him, your quarterback's injured. Desmond Ritter is not the guy. Get, just find a new quarterback. It's fine. You missed. It's okay. Just get a new guy. Uh, Carolina, thank you. Thank you, Carolina. Thanks so much. I appreciate you, Carolina, more than I've appreciated many other teams in the past um, because you make my team better. And my team is not Carolina, so that's even better for me. Um, Carolina needs to basically uh, do what uh, David Tepper did to that fan with like did with his drink to that fan in Jacksonville and just throw it over like throw the the whole team off the uh, out of the the booth that he was in because boy that team is a tire fire they have nothing. Their best receiver, and I mean no harm by this, but is Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen is old. He's lost two or three steps, never mind just one. And he's got good hands. He's a fine slot guy. He's a fine, like, but he's not big body. So it's like, if that's your guy, you have you have Bryce Young, who's undersized, let's be real, has a lot of good upside but is like you put you decimated the team around him they're not going to recover from this everyone's going to say Bryce Young's a bust and he might have like that Baker Mayfield resurgence a few years from now when he gets put in a better situation uh but but even even Kyle saying the Bears never got this low I would say like the same thing about a lot of former number one picks that didn't have great starts to their career uh, never got this low because like, you know, Trevor Lawrence, we knew that he was going to be good. They just needed to get Urban Meyer out of there. Uh, I don't think that Frank Reich was the, was the problem necessarily. I think that team had significantly less talent and had too much input from their owner for them to be successful. So, it turns out I forgot the AFC South when we talked about the AFC. That's all I have to say about the AFC South. Christian, what would you like to say? <laughs> Hold on. Can I just say, I, I, I know that this is a this is a uh, audio podcast, but for me, I think it's hilarious that we have Christian on and he's throwing all this shade and making all these like <clears throat> wild predictions about teams years down the road. And he's also 
like in this, like viewing him right now, he looks like he's in a documentary where he wants his uh, identity to, <laughs> to be protected. I have he, a he, lamp behind me and no <laughs> screen light on my face. So it's like, yes, um, my. For some reason, our apartment uh, came without overhead lighting in the bedrooms, which I've never seen. I know that, that before, pain. But... I know that pain. Hold on, hold, hold on. on. You guys are going to my voice, right? I said a lot of things about a lot of people feeling. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll steal that. My face is going to be blurred. Talk about the AFC South because I don't want to. Uh, okay, I can talk about the AFC South. Um, I love the AFC South. I think that this is the most exciting division in football. Uh, I once had somebody tell me, and this is the thing that I love about the AFC South. I once had somebody tell me that the NFL was boring. Because uh, and the CFL was so much more interesting because uh, in the NFL, the ball gets snapped and like a thing happens and you're like, oh, that thing happens. And that's exactly what was supposed to happen. Or like, oh, that thing happened. That was the exact what the defense wanted to happen. Uh, whereas the first thing the offense wanted to happen. And every once in a while, maybe like once a game, twice a game, you see something amazing happen that wasn't supposed to happen. And we talk about it for the whole week, and it gets hyped up, and it's amazing. And the CFL was way more interesting, because when that ball got snapped, literally, all rules are gone. Everybody, just hold on for your dear lives. Anything can happen. And that's how I feel about the AFC South. Anything can happen. The Jags started 6-2, and and they are out of the playoffs. Anything can happen. The Colts lost their starting QB like three games in. Who was a rookie? Who was playing fantastic? Anything can happen. They are, uh, I believe, a playoff team. No, they lost out. No, Sorry. They, they just barely missed the playoffs. They missed because they were in a do or die game against another team that had a new head coach, a new starting quarterback, and just what we thought was going to be a shambles. Terrible beginning. The Houston Texans and CJ Stroud, the number two pick in the draft, absolutely dominated this year. It was amazing. It was so fantastic. And then the Tennessee Titans really, really did the most Tennessee Titans thing possible. Uh, I think the only thing that I can say negative about this division is the Tennessee Titans and that Mike Rabel might need to be looking for a new job. I don't think that he is a bad coach per se. I just think that this is not it for him. He's been there too long, and I think he's lost the team. Tannehill being benched was really weird, and there's like they're just not good enough. I don't think that's a an okay thing. Derrick Henry's now like running to the ground. It's a sad situation in Tennessee, but everything else in the AFC South is so exciting. I love AFC South being. They're the best. Things on television. Incorrect. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you see, before, before Christian even went on, I mean, Kyle was just like, "Oh, all right, convince me." <laughs> this, this division, this division's real bad. Um, it is. Oh, that's the exciting part: is that everybody's kind of equally bad. So I'll say this: um, if the Houston Texans ever win a in the next five or you know however many years if the Houston Texans win a if the Houston Texans um sorry win a Super Bowl Lovey Smith should get a ring oh yeah for sure for she sure died so that this team could live um 
last division we have to do is the NFC West. Not much to say about this. For Seattle, it was just a bit of a choke job. Just and they're they're such a nine and eight team, and they feel like such a nine and eight team. And then they finished nine and eight, and you know, it just sort of feels like about what you would expect for these for this team. And they, I think they were supposed to. They felt like they were supposed to make the playoffs. They didn't. They're going to need to do a hard soul search. Like their plus minus was real bad too. So. I feel like they might have been a little bit optimistic. I feel like this Geno Smith thing is like he's not a bad quarterback, but he's not. He certainly belongs in the league. He certainly belongs. Probably is one of the best, the thirty two best quarterbacks in the league. But you're not going to be winning a Super Bowl with him. And I think for Seattle, they wanted to be competitive and they wanted to stay competitive. Maybe you give it one more kick at the can, but it's it's starting to get towards the end. And Arizona is. A very poorly run organization that is going to be stuck with their quarterback for the next two seasons. One season, two seasons. I think after next season, they can get out from under uh, Kyler Murray's contract, eating $31 million in dead cap, uh, which is much. So, like... Yeah, I don't know. Arizona's got... I don't really... I'm not, that's the thing about Arizona. There's teams... Like I talked about the Bears, or I talked about you know some teams that didn't have a great season, but there's players I'm excited about. Obviously, you mentioned Thibodeau with with uh, the Giants, or you know I can go. I thought to Terry McLaurin. I can go through every team and, except for the Panthers, I think. But even then, Bryce Young is something to be excited about. I don't know. I'm really excited about anybody on the Cardinals. I like. I quite like Buda Baker, and I think they've got a few talented players, but like. I'm just not excited by this team. Um, I think the Cardinals, again, like you kind of hit the nail on the head with the Kyler Murray situation. I don't know how he, like he's, he's a, a very flash in the pan kind of game, like on a game to game basis. He can be great. He can be terrible. You never know what's going to happen. Consistency is kind of key for the NFL win. I think the Seahawks, cause I'm, I'm, I, this team is so weird to me. Because this year they played in so many close games that they just lost. And instead of being nine and eight, they really literally could have been had they scored, uh, what, like four field goals and two touchdowns, they could have been 13 and four. And it was just like, and they had the ball in a lot of these situations and they, they just, didn't clutch it out. And that's so it's like, I don't think the Seahawks are a bad team. I don't think they're a nine and eight team. I think that they're better than that. They have a great young core of, of like offensive weapons. Geo Smith is a, a vet who really, really, really wants to prove that he belongs there. Their defense is solid. Their special teams is solid. Like they just lost a lot of games in kind of sad fashion. Um, that they really shouldn't have lost, and that's that's kind of how I feel about the Seahawks. Is that like if they could if they could actually put something together and you know clutch it out, they'd be infinitely bad. That is all of the teams that missed the playoffs. We'll 
get through the two number one seeds because they're not playing any matchups right away. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, God, I don't know that I can say anything bad about this team. They're just real. They're just the most consistently cross the board, solid team across every position in the league. They're a well-built organization. They have a, a very strong offense. Uh, I'm not huge on Brad Purdy, but I think he's like a very good, he's a perfectly very good quarterback. He's what I think San Francisco 49ers fans thought that Jimmy Garoppolo was. That's sort of how I see Brock Purdy, like classic game manager, going to go out there, deliver, you know, solid passes and not do more than he needs to because you have Christian McCaffrey and that is, you know, the most important thing in your offense. They've got, you know, Debo Samuel, they've got other gadget weapons, and then they have their uh, Trent Williams and an amazing defense. Like, I have a lot bad to say about San Francisco. They're very good. Baltimore. Um... Lamar Jackson, it turns out, is really good. And I feel like we could have said that that was the truth was true. Boy, are is Atlanta kicking themselves for not actually going after this guy? Because they could just run up this division so easily if they had a Lamar Jackson. But instead, Baltimore, and it is always funny, whenever John Harbaugh's um job starts to come into question whenever people like go into a season and be like i don't know if he's going to be sticking around he delivers this like 13 and 4 season that just sort of seems like he's just you know puts an emphatic stamp on yeah that's i'm not going anywhere so yeah we'll see what happens with this team that i don't feel as strongly about them as i feel about san francisco in terms of uh their strength going forward but yeah they're a solid team. Um, they've got a very good defense again. They've got Lamar Jackson. If he's able to continue to perform in the playoffs, which has been a concern in the past, then this team can go far. But it's going to come down to whether or not he can do that. Uh, both horse team to beat. I think that San Francisco has one issue, and it's that Baltimore figured out how to get to Brock Purdy. The disguises defensive that they ran, the switches in coverage, the the way that they attacked that well-oiled machine with their own well-oiled machine uh, was a way to get to Brock Purdy. I think that Cleveland did it earlier in the year uh, in that debacle of an ending of a game, and I think that it worked. I think that they took those notes and they made it happen. And so I actually have a little bit of doubt going into the playoffs. Uh, maybe not for San Francisco's first game necessarily, but when it comes to the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl, I actually don't think they're going to win. Uh, I don't think they're going to win at all. They might. They. It depends on who their matchups are, but I think that if it, if it's a San Francisco uh, Baltimore Super Bowl, I think that Baltimore kind of walks them. All right, Rylan. Uh, do you want to send us up for some playoff matchups, and then we'll we'll go through them, each of us? Absolutely. <clears throat> so let's start with uh, the one that I think is uh, one of the more interesting ones, um, the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Boy. So are we getting a playoff game with Joe Flacco versus CJ Stroud? <laughs> I was going to say Flacco, my man. Thank Coming you, out of nowhere. Thank you, NFL, for this gift. I, 
I'll say this. I don't want to make heads or tails of this because I like a lot of things about the Cleveland Browns, but I know everyone's real excited about Joe Flacco, and I get it, but uh, I feel like their magic is going to run out, and it's going to run out really hard. And honestly, it would not shock me if the Houston Texans were the team that was going to make the magic run out. I mean... They're, I don't think they're amazing. I don't think the Texans are, you know, this runaway juggernaut giant of team or anything like that. I think they've got some talented players. I think they're a team that has some room to build in the future. They're they're still a team on the rise. I, you know, obviously CJ Stroud, very easy offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Will Anderson, I don't know that he had the kind of season that people were kind of hoping that he would, but he has been very good. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Just not much to say, but they're just a very, very good team, and uh, or a very good team, I should say. I don't going to get too excited about them. I there's pieces I like about Cleveland. Obviously, their deep like Miles Garrett is great. They've got some other defensive pieces, you know, offensive pieces as well. Particularly their their running back uh, Nick Chubb is is very very good. I just, I don't know. Something about this tells me that um, the Magic's going to run out for Joe Flacco really hard one game. And I don't know if it's going to be this one, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Um, sorry, Ron, do you want to go? No, no, go uh, ahead. This is the injury bowl I've ever been seen one. Uh, Kyle mentioned Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's knee was torn, torn off uh, in like weeks. Oh, that's right. I I've, sorry, I'm... I'm that's right. I forgot about that Nick Chubb was hurt. Um, Joe Flacco's renaissance uh, is because he is the fourth starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns after they went through Deshaun Watson. Uh, 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 what's his name? Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, uh, they had another QB who subsequently got injured, who I don't even remember. Uh, and then now it is it is old Joe making his return. Uh, and then the Texans, their whole O-line is, except I think Laramie Tunsil is hurt. Uh, they've lost multiple receivers, uh, tight end, uh, running backs. They've lost defense out the wazoo. Uh, like you were saying, uh, Anderson Jr., uh, uh, he's barely limping on the field with an ankle injury that he had to sit out the past two weeks and played this week. But he had to sit out the past two weeks. And the only reason he played is because it was a win-or-you're-done game. He's hurt. Yeah. Everyone's hurt. This is the injury bowl, and I don't really know what happens here, but, like, it's not going to be a good game, in my opinion, because... Or it, it might be a good game. It's not going to be the peak of these teams, what they could be, because they're they're all on their third stringers for, like, every position and somehow pulled together winning seasons. Handing it to the coaches, D'Amico Ryans and uh, 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 Stefanski, Deserve to be nominees, if not co-winners of Coach of the Year. I, I was, and I'll say, I was thinking of Kareem Hunt, but he's not even really the starter anymore. So, um, I always got those two confused for some reason. Don't know why. But yeah, that's uh, that's Cleveland. There, yeah, I, I'm not super excited about this this football game, but we'll see how it goes. Let's move on to the the other game that day: Miami and Kansas City. Uh, I, I like I, I I do have some comments for this one. Number one, Kansas City, go 
go go Kansas City. Uh, however, Miami's a really fun team, right? Th- this year, I think they've had some really great games, and uh, tonight, uh, I, as of the time of recording, uh, they played the the Bills and had a very like interesting game. Uh, I'm. I don't think they're going to beat Kansas by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I certainly think that Miami, within the next few years, is going to be a team that we're going. They're great, Kyle. Um, this is the fraud bowl. <laughs> oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> I have a better. I I like both. Like, here's the thing. <laughs> um, Miami is so hit or miss in terms of their offensive production. You have no idea what you're going to get any given week. Now they're going to be going on the road into Kansas City, and Kansas City is here. And it's the thing. I like Miami's offense. They've got a lot of weapons. Tua has really come into his own this season. Mostert has been a very, very good running back for them this year. Obviously, they've got their their receivers who you know can run past all the other receivers. Like, there's a lot of talent here, and you can sort of feel good about that. I have more questions about their defense, but they at least I mean Bradley Chubb had a very good season. But he gone. Oh, he's hurt now. Yeah, he tore his knee in half. Also, oh, the Chubbs did not do good this year. But basically, what I'm saying. As much as I am excited about Miami and, you know, can be excited about their future, um, Kansas City, as much as I would say their offense really wasn't the fixture it was, this this team is here because of their defense, not because of their offense. They're still battle tests and they still have Patrick Mahomes. And for a team that's, one, been here before and, two, has Patrick Mahomes, uh, it's really hard for me to bet against them. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as Kyle. Like, uh, Miami has shown some really great, like, stuff this year. I'm really excited for it. Uh, both teams are kind of frauds. I would say that they've both beaten good teams. Miami with the Dallas win. Uh, Kansas City would beat Miami early in the season in Germany. Um, I don't think that, I think that whoever wins this game loses in the next round. Like it's it's Kansas's defense is battle tested uh, or is is, is great. Uh, their team is battle tested. They've been here before. I just don't see them going very far this year because not only do their receivers just need new hands. Like oh my goodness, this team is dropping a higher percentage of Patrick Mahomes passes than any team that's dropped any quarterbacks passes. Uh, it's one of the highest drop percentages in the past twenty five seasons. They are historically bad when it comes to dropping passes. So, like, I don't really have faith in a team that can't catch. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is uh, really a come-up. Seventh-round draft pick for Kansas City last year. This guy knows he is an angry, the angriest runner in the NFL right now. Very excited to watch him all the time. I, I love the, the Devin Achan story uh uh for Miami just guy is like a track star sprinter uh Tyreek Hill uh Jalen Gillen Waddle Tua Tagovailoa being like just 
awesome like this year for Miami, but I don't think that against a good defense, Miami has been particularly productive. Same thing that happened uh, week 18 against Buffalo kind of ha- happened when they played Kansas City in Germany. They got beat by the defense and then the offense was there. Um, for, for the teams that beat them, for Buffalo today, or for, uh, week 18 and uh, for uh, Kansas City in, I believe it was week 10 uh, when they were in Germany, week 9, week 10. Uh, but it's just like I don't I don't really trust either team to go any further than this. Moving on to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. Kyle, tonight the Bills pulled out a win against Miami in the second half of the game, and they look great. Um, the Steelers, I mean, they're the seventh-ranked team in that uh, division, and um, or sorry, conference, whatever. Um, do you th- Is this going to be an easy game for the Bills? I don't know that any games are easy for the Bills. There's concern. <laughs> I mean, they've got injury concerns uh, with Stefan Dix. Um, I don't know. I think they're. I think the Bills are going to win this game just because I just really don't have any faith in the Steelers. The thing about the Steelers, though, is. Josh Allen, I think, is clearly far and away the better quarterback between, I think, mean, you know, between uh, the two that are going to be going out there. But the Steelers still do have impact players on their defense that, if nothing else, could make this game interesting. The Steelers didn't feel like a 10 win team. We're going to talk about another team uh, later on that really didn't feel like a 10-win team. The Steelers did, yeah, just didn't feel like a 10-win team this season, and they are. I don't think that they're bad. I just, I'm not super excited uh, about the prospect of them going into this game. They, they still, they're, you know, they're, di- they're, they're pretty dinged up as well. Um, in terms of their impact players on defense in particular, they'll be playing because it's the playoffs. Like TJ Watt and Micah Fitzpatrick uh, will be there. It's the playoffs. But I... uh, Buffalo, I feel like, is going to... And especially because this game is going to be in Buffalo, I think Buffalo is going to hold on to this one. But... If you're asking me, because I'm saying that I think Buffalo's going to win and Kansas City's going to win. If you're asking me if I think Buffalo's beating Kansas City in a week, absolutely. Uh, this this is a, a game that um, this might be my pick for for it's it's this game or a game in the NFC that is my pick for fraud bowl. Yeah, um, Buffalo. Uh, in week 18, uh, they played the Miami Dolphins. Um, and uh, previously uh, on this on this uh, Friday morning lights episode, um, Rylan had mentioned that uh, Buffalo looked awesome. Uh, in the second half. In, in the, the second, second half, half, which was spurred on by a punt return touchdown for 96 yards against... Just the saddest tackling. And then they scored one touchdown. They they won by a touchdown, which ended up just being that punt return touchdown, essentially. And then a short field on a bad uh, 
bad amount of defense on Miami's part who are just like weathered and beaten down and not that great a defense in the first place. I don't really trust either team to do anything. I think that Pittsburgh firing Matt Canada earlier in the year made their offense significantly better, but also maybe Mason Rudolph for some reason. Uh, and then uh, uh, Buffalo, they've had a lot of bad injuries. They've had a lot of issues. They're just a weird, weird team that gives the ball away or takes bad sacks or penalties at the worst times, and they can't get important points. And I just don't trust either team to really do anything. And the fact of the matter is that one of these teams is going to win, along with the the... Uh, Kansas City uh, Miami game one of those teams is going to win and then they're going to play each other and we're going to see just like back-to-back weeks of like questionable football in terms of who should be there and who should in my opinion there is reseeding so great yeah so if Miami were to win odds are they're playing Baltimore (laughs) anyways go on Moving over, let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions. Kyle. Uh, this, this is a very odd game. Um, the Rams, after the trade that sent Matt Stafford to the Rams, I think everyone was sort of like, you know, the Rams are going to be a team that's going to be strong for a few years. And then, you know, eventually they're going to have to pay the biker because they're not going to be able to um, keep everybody healthy, whatever it happens to be. And then the Lions are going to be bad. And the Lions were bad for a little bit, but they have been way better than I ever expected that they were going to be. <laughs> but... I can't make heads or tails of either of these teams. I'm going to give the edge to Detroit just because when I don't really know what's going to happen, I tend to pick the home team. But the Rams are... The Rams are in a situation where they're pretty hurt as well. Um, Stafford's really banged up. Cooper Cup is hurt. Uh, Aaron Donald is hurt. They're going to play. These guys are all going to play if it's the playoffs. But uh, limited having a lot of guys with those kinds of limitations, you're asking a lot, and those are kind of the guys you need to be the stars of this situation in order for them to win. That's difficult. Uh, I'm going to give the edge to the Lions in this, but I don't know. Some, I'm not really excited about this game because I feel like the Rams are, you know, they're limping in quite literally, but the Lions are kind of limping in, you know, metaphorically. They're, they have not been as strong down the stretch. They were running away with this division, and they won it because, frankly, nobody else really wanted to. But, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation with the Lions. Christian. Matthew Stafford gets his first playoff win in Detroit. That's my prediction. Matthew Stafford gets his first playoff on the quarterback for years, for over a decade of the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford, who was traded to the LA Rams and subsequently won a Super Bowl, will get his will get the win in Detroit. Detroit 
after 30 years of not winning Mega Station and uh, having a non-home playoff game, will lose to their former quarterback. And that's what I want to see because the story's too good. It's so pro wrestling. I will say this. Do you hear that, brother? <laughs> the last Detroit Lions playoff victory. Do you know the year, Alan? Oh, God, no. No. The year was 1991. Holy shit. It's been a minute. Yes. So they're hosting a playoff game, something they, you know, almost never do. And, uh, boy, yeah, the last time they hosted a playoff game was, by my by my count, 1993. That's, that's rough. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I'm not, like, I don't think that the, I don't really love the Rams in this, in this spot, but we will see. The Packers and the Cowboys. We'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Kyle. The Cowboys look like the best version of themselves right now, which is good for them. Like I think they're in a situation where they just sort of look like the Dallas Cowboys that they want to be looking like going into this this playoff. They've they're getting great performances out of De- um Dak Prescott who had a you know, a very good season. Um they're getting solid play out of their defense. There's concerns about, you know, their injury list is a little bit long especially on the offensive line, which is always tricky cuz and this offensive line is very important for this team. But they look like the best version of themselves right now, and that's good news because with this season the way it's been, this is about as open a playoff as you're going to get. So this is really Dallas's chance to, if not, they're I don't, like not win a championship. They really need to make their mark in this these this postseason because they've got a path that looks supremely winnable until they get to. The NFC Championship, at very least. Green, I'm not. I don't have much to say about Green Bay. There, there's talent there. They had they had a few weeks where Jordan Love looked particularly good, and then that stopped very hard. Um, yeah, I don't know. Green Bay's here because somebody needed to be here it would be very cowboys to lose this game but you're that's asking a lot of the cowboys to choke this one away cowboys are gonna win because green bay is the most i guess you have to be here team just like kyle said it's like that we don't need seven seven is too many and it was a this is a mistake anyways i just want to move on because i think this is going to be the easiest game to pick in the entire thing i'm this is a game where i'm fascinated what the line's going to be when it comes out because honestly, I don't know how you set this line at less than ten and a half. Because I just I don't see this game being particularly close. <laughs> Moving right along, then uh, the last t- uh, two we're going to talk about uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Philadelphia Eagles, who have lost five of their last six. Kyle, oh boy, like here's what I'll say about this. The Eagles 
are in a situation where they have just tumbled as a very fraudulent team fell backwards into the playoffs, but they're getting about as big a gift as you can get, which is playing the winner of the NFC South. Um, the, The good news is that the bad news is if you win, you probably have to go to Levi Stadium and play the 49ers. So, you know, Godspeed with that. Uh, I don't have anything really to say about Tampa Bay. Again, there's some talent there, but the best case scenario for quarterback for Tampa Bay is a hobbled Baker Mayfield. That's not going to get me very excited. They won a lot of, you know, games against their own division to get into this spot. There's talent in pieces. Like their defense has some talent on it. I, again, Mike Evans remains a, a good receiver, but like, uh, no, I, you're not going to be able to get me to pick. Um, I think Philadelphia is, especially being able to go say that you've been through the playoffs, being battle tested. I think this has just got to be Philadelphia here. Both these teams should lose this week. That's not how this works, Chris. Both these teams should lose this week. <laughs> like, I I know that if Philly gets the win, they might be able to go on a run. If Tampa gets the win, it is a miracle. Both these teams should lose this week. There should be an option where both the teams take an L and we just don't have to deal with them anymore. And this is not me hating on either team. I'm sorry. This is not me hating on either team. I actually like both of these teams. Are you teams, sure? <laughs> but I just, the way that Philadelphia has played recently and the fact that uh, Tampa Bay won the worst division in football makes me feel like both these teams are losing. It's totally fair. Kyle, that wraps up the NFL playoff picture. Uh, actually, before we do that, I think we should do Super Bowl predictions. Oh, I think all of us okay. should do Super Bowl predictions. All right, I'm. I'm, I'm going to be real boring. Um, give me the re. Give me a rematch from a few years ago. Uh, Kansas, uh, San Francisco. I look at the AFC and I don't. I don't have any confidence in anybody. And when I feel like that, I pick Kansas City. And I look at San Francisco, and they've had some slip up games. They have had some. And I'm not super confident in Brock Purdy, but the rest of that team is so good. I just don't. And the, you know, Shanahan system and everything is so good. I just don't see them losing until we get to the championship game. Uh, San Francisco is so much better and they should win that game. But I'll, I'll say Kansas City over San Francisco. I'm pretty sure that was my preseason prediction as well. And boring as it is, I, I don't see any reason to change it. It's fair. That's fair. Uh, I I want to see the Cowboys in Kansas City, um, but and obviously I'm taking Kansas City over the Cowboys. Um, but I don't know. I feel like this Cowboys team is like a long time coming, and it would be interesting to see them get into that position again to see what Dak Prescott really has. Give him that fine that that moment in that Super Bowl, um, and against uh, an elite. Uh, quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, I just feel like that would be a fascinating game. Christian? I want the most mayhem Super Bowl of all time uh, with um, people who are have been hated on and doubted for their entire careers uh, thus far in uh, a Ravens uh, at quarterback. A Ravens-Cowboys Super Bowl. I want it to be an absolute bloodbath. I want it to be just the most like 
gritty, but shootout kind of game. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a Casey uh, San Fran uh, Super Bowl. I don't think that Casey should be able to get there, but I think that they will. Uh, I think that San Francisco has the upper hand against every other team in uh, in uh, their uh, conference right now. But I really want to see a I want to see a one versus two uh, AFC NFC Super Bowl. I want to see this this game this game be like a real sick sick matchup for all the people who hate these quarterbacks. So, what's your prediction now? Are you going San Francisco, Kansas City, or are you going uh, Dallas, Baltimore? I, I, I think by the numbers, I should say San Francisco, Kansas City, but I am going to go. My prediction is, and we're going to lock it in uh, real Charles Barkley style, guaranteed that Baltimore and Dallas will be meeting in the Super Bowl. Who wins? Oh. You know what? You know what? Let's get it to Dallas. Dallas over Baltimore. Um, it's going to be very funny when these two teams lose in the division round. <laughs> God. Actually, peak Cowboys would be losing to Detroit in the division oh, round. That, that, would be, would be peak that, would be, that would be peak Cowboys. That would be peak Cowboys. Rylan, do you want to say anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, no, just uh, stay tuned for uh, next month. I think what we're going to do is Kyle and I are going to bring back a hot or not, and we're going to talk about the NHL and the ML or sorry, and the NBA and talk about going into their playoffs, who's looking good and who's not. Uh, and other than that, Christian, thank you so much for joining us for the latter half of this program. Thank you very much for having me again. I am expecting that check in the mail. You have my address. Uh, and if anybody wants to Fuck add that, me, me too. If anybody wants to ask me for all of my hot, hot predictions, my the takes that are just scalding off the pan warm, just just too too hot to handle. Uh, you can reach me on Instagram uh, at uh, Christian underscore Joseph. Um, that is uh, my name K R I S T J A N underscore J O S E P H on Instagram, and that is the only place where you can add me. All right, Kyle. With that being said, I think we send the people home happy. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. We appreciate each and every one of you, and you have been lit.
You have been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.